less than 24 hours, Georgians will be under a shelter-in-place order. McDonald, though, said he did not know the man was handcuffed and was trying to use his foot to pin him to the ground so he could be handcuffed. If your friends, neighbors, or local organizations are not complying, report them to us. Hello and welcome to the Free Georgia Podcast. My name is Jake Green. Welcome back. I think the last one I recorded was November 1st, which is, I mean, it's got to be like 10 weeks ago. Um, I very much apologize for not putting these out consistently um, since just before the election. I've I've gone through some stuff, uh, had some things happen. Um, I'll just give you a quick summary. We, I had surgery, sinus surgery, two days after the, the election. Um, didn't realize it was going to be as terrible as it was. Was pretty miserable for a few weeks. Um, after which, my wife and I went to Peru, where I got altitude sickness, was in bed for three days, and then we started hiking to Machu Picchu, and I got salmonella, which could have possibly been the end of me. Um, but we made it back to civilization. I was carted back on a horse, <laughs> a horse and then a four-wheeler um, hanging on for dear life as we sped down mountainsides. It was, it was not the most pleasant experience of my life. Then when I got home, I got a sinus infection, um, was laid up again, couldn't, which apparently happens right after you have a sinus surgery. So that's not... It just hasn't been the most pleasant uh, couple of months, but my wife and I spent Christmas in Kansas and uh, and then went to the mountains for for New Year's. And so that was a good recuperation time for me. Um, but now I'm back. We're going to put these out very regularly, uh, at least once a week. We're going to do Liberty Libations once a week, um, pending any, you know, momentary conflicts. Um, but those are not on the calendar right now. So we should be putting out podcasts every week. Um, well, let's talk about the election for just a minute. Obviously a huge disappointment to most libertarians. Uh, although we did get a lot of attention, national attention due to Chase Oliver and his run for Senate against two incompetent morons. Um, so that was, that was kind of cool. That was the, that was definitely the, I guess, highlight for for the election season was libertarians got a lot of attention here in Georgia. Um, but Shane's election, all the other libertarians elections did not go as we wanted them to go, which historically is always the case, but we keep growing a little bit each time. And I can say for a fact that it has sparked a fire underneath a whole bunch of people here in Georgia, libertarians specifically to really start organizing, get stuff done, get stuff implemented, get people aware, spread the word. And it's been really interesting and awesome to to watch my message boards, watch my text threads, all sorts of stuff. People really taking action and trying to trying to grow our trying to grow our organization, grow our membership, um, get more people interested in the idea of liberty and um, Hopefully this this year of 2023 will be a great year for that. Let's see. What else should we discuss today? I 
have one thing actually to discuss, and it has to do with Mr. Brian Kemp, um, whose first act as governor was to fly to Davos to speak to the World Economic Forum. Actually, that is one tab that I did not pull up, which I'm going to real quick. I've got a lot of stuff to show y'all. Um, and I want y'all, I want some proper definitions and summaries on what these organizations are that we're going to talk about, what they're doing. Um, goodness gracious, I swear their website is difficult. Okay, there, there's our mission. Okay, cool. Okay, um, so yeah, as Brian Kemp's first act as governor in his second term, he flew to Davos to meet with maybe some of the most reviled people um, in the liberty world, especially, but probably in the Republican world as well. So we're unsure at this point what he's doing over there, but he's speaking on a panel with, uh, who was it? I just had it pulled up here. Speaking on a panel with Senator Chris Coons of Delaware and Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. And we're going to get into their history here in a bit. Um, but let's let me share my screen real quick. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. This is going to take quite a while, y'all, to do some of this stuff. Um, first off, let's talk about the World Economic Forum. Oh my gosh. I have so many tabs open, y'all. I mean, it's got to be... <laughs> I have so many tabs open. Okay, there's the first one. All right. The first one is the World Economic Forum and what their mission is. The forum engages the most foremost political, business, cultural, and other leaders of society to shape global, regional, and industry agendas. It was established in 1971 as a not-for-profit foundation and is headquartered in Geneva. It is important. It is independent, impartial, and not tied to any special interests. BS. The forum strives in all its efforts to demonstrate entrepreneurship in the global public interest while upholding the highest standards of governance. Moral and intellectual integrity is at the heart of everything it does. Let's talk about the forum strives in all its efforts to demonstrate entrepreneurship in the global public interest while uphold, upholding the highest standards of governance. They, the word entrepreneurship makes you think it's something good, but it's entrepreneurship in global public interest. So they're really talking about the greater good here um, and upholding the high. Gosh, I want to keep wanting to say uploading instead of upholding upholding the highest standards of governance. Define what the highest standards of governance are. Because for us, the highest standards of governance are very little governance. Um, in this case, it seems that probably isn't the case. Our activities are shaped by unique institutional culture founded on the stakeholder theory, which asserts that an organization is accountable to all parts of society. <laughs> The institution carefully blends and balances the best of many kinds of organizations from both the public and private sectors, international organizations, and academic institutions. We believe that progress happens by bringing together people from all walks of life who have, who have the drive and the influence to make positive change. 
we could talk about uh, their story, or we could watch this video of Klaus Schwab. Dear friends, let me share with you why the World Economic Forum can be of great service in our complex and fast-changing global system. Let's go back to the origin. In 1970, as a young professor at the University of Geneva, I wrote a book on modern management. I started writing this book asking myself the crucial question, what is the purpose of a corporation? In the book, I pioneered the stakeholder concept, which was avant-garde at the time, arguing that business should not serve only its shareholders, but all those who have a stake in the destiny of the company, such as employees, society, and the planet. Okay, whatever. I mean, the accent is ridiculous, um, but we're going to go over here. Let's see. Ed Gummett. Should have had this one pulled up. Sorry, I, I didn't plan on going into all of this today. But let's see. Yeah, I just don't have the correct video pulled up. But you can go look it up. Um, Klaus Schwab has, has stated multiple times in multiple interviews um, that eventually everybody will own nothing. We will like it. We will eat bugs. We will live in the dirt. Um, and we will enjoy our lives. So not exactly the most heartwarming, um, heartwarming guy, um, especially with that, <laughs> that accent. Um, but he's the one who founded the World Economic Forum. And if you go do some research into them, which I'm not going to go deep into them right now because that's not what we're going to talk about today. But if you go do research into the World Economic Forum, you will be terrified um, for a very long time, and it will probably take you down some really dark holes. So go do that on your own because I'm in a great mood right now, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, had a pretty great tweet from Mr. Shane Hazel. Do as the WEF commands. Give up your wood and gas stoves. Buy electric cars and make sure your food is government controlled. Take all your government shots. Do this and prep for the coming cyber attack on the electrical grid to make sure your loved ones are forced into camps. <laughs> Shane's always got some great tweets. If you don't follow him, at Shane T. Hazel, go follow him. Uh, let's see. Let's watch this video. I hate that I have to go in here and click this every daggum time. Okay. I wish I could just switch tabs and it would just switch tabs with me. All right. Here in Davos. And I have to say, in my memory, you were one of the most engaged and hardest working participants here at the annual meeting. You've written extensively on the topic that you've asked me to speak to, mastering the fourth industrial revolution. This fora decide, defines uh, that as uh, change fueled by a digital revolution. 
Will this revolution actually transform the global economy? Now is the historical moment, the time, not only to fight severe virus, but to shape the system. Most people don't want to know what's in the vaccines. But yet when we open it almost two years into this, we find that it still says intentionally plain. In fact, nobody wants to know what's in the vaccines because, look, if people understood what was in the vaccine, they'd go apeshit. And you see, the difference of this fourth uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you. If you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example, it's you who exactly. are changed. Yeah. And of yeah. course, this has a big impact yeah. on your identity. I mean, COVID makes it, it accelerates the process of digitalization and automatization, and it makes surveillance go under your skin. This is Richard Werner, the top academic scholar in the world on central banking. The nature of the CBDC, what, what is it actually going to look like? They never talk about that. Right. Um, but I heard one European central banker tell me what it's going to look like. He saw it. Um, and it was around this this large and would be implanted under your skin. CBDC. If that happens, we're done. <laughs> okay. So please do. Uh, okay, so some of that is uh, go do your own research on some of that. Some of that is absolutely true. Um, the World Economic Forum is absolutely in favor of CBDCs. They're in favor of, as you heard the founder talk about, uh, genetic, is it mutation? It's not mutation. Maybe genetic adaptation is what they would call it. Genetic manipulation. Um, they're in favor of a whole bunch of things that we as free and liberty loving people are absolutely opposed to. Um, so go do your research on, on, the World Economic Forum and what they've, what their opinions are and what they've done during the whole lockdown time period, the whole pandemic crap. Um, just go look it up for a bit. Um, let's see. Yep. And here's Shane talking about, let's see. I think I can just do. I don't want to do the entire screen. Let's do that. Yes. Okay. He's at Davos right now for the WEF first active business. Um, and he tweeted this while he was, while he's over there. So not, not too great. Um, let's see. Governor Kemp to address world economic forum in Switzerland. Just a few articles on that. Um, Atlanta journal constitution talks about it. All right, let's talk about who he's on a panel with. Chris Coons, Senator from Delaware. He is ranked 15th in the Senate with an estimated worth of $10 million, which has grown substantially since he got in in 2009. Um, it has grown almost double um, since 2009. His Estimated net worth is far above the median net worth, which how is the median net worth $2 million for a job that doesn't pay that? I don't know. 
Um, you can make your own theories as to why that is the case or go watch divine and dominate and we'll give you some, uh, concrete proof. <laughs> um, Senator Chris Coons has sponsored 70 bills, 458 co-sponsors, and he has passed of those bills. 17 of them have passed and we're just, there's a whole bunch of them. You can go look them up. This is govtrack.us, uh, where they have a wealth of knowledge. Um, you can go in and see all of the things that he's backed. We're just going to go over a couple of them. Um, he backed the SCALE Act, S-799, in the 117th Congress. This bill establishes programs within the Department of Energy that provide financial support and incentives to develop infrastructure for carbon dioxide capture, transport, util utilization, and storage. Why? I mean, why would you support that bill? Why is the government getting involved in financial support for carbon dioxide capture, transport, utilization, and storage? Bunch of socialist nonsense. Another one, Partnerships for Energy Security and Innovation Act of 2021, S-1359. This bill requires the Department of Energy to establish the Foundation for Energy Security and Innovation. It also authorizes the establishment of the National Energy Technology Laboratory. Foundation for Energy Security and Innovation is a nonprofit corporation, must support the Department of Energy's mission and increase private and philanthropic sector investments that support efforts concerning the development, deployment, and commercialization of innovative technologies that address, address cross-cutting national energy challenges. The foundation may award fellowships and grants for activities relating to research, development, demonstration, maturation, or commercialization of energy and other technologies supported by the DOE. That whole paragraph, I just heard cash registers going off. All your money that you pay in taxes um, goes to crap like this. Um, stuff that is completely unnecessary. We don't need the Department of Energy to establish the foundation for energy security and innovation. What we need is the government to get out of energy and let the private sector take over so that the private sector can start building more things like nuclear energy that is the cleanest energy on earth. Um, rather than all this garbage that has to do with shipping solar panels from one side of the world to another, super green, making battery. We're going to get into this later. Um, so that's another bill that he, he supported. Uh, let's see. Department, he supported Department of State, or he got passed. These are all the ones he got passed, enacted. Department of State Foreign Operations and Related Programs Appropriations Act 2023. I think he also did 2022, 2021. Um, provides, the bill provides appropriations to the State Department for administration of foreign affairs, international organizations, and inter international commissions. The bill provides appropriations for related agencies and programs, including the U.S. Agency for Global Media. Why? The Asia Foundation. Why? The U.S. Institute of Peace, doing a real good job with that one. The Center for Middle Eastern Western Dialogue Trust Fund. Why? The Eisenhower Exchange Fellowship Program. I don't even know what that is, but I'm sure it's stupid. The Israeli Arab Scholarship Program. Why? 
the east-west center. I don't know what that is. Seems like a contradiction in there, but I don't know. And the National Endowment for Democracy. Okay, I got to look that one up because that seems like a stupid misnomer. Damn it. Copy and paste, Jake. Fit together. What are you even doing? Command C. That's what you should be doing. Command V. National <laughs> National Endowment for Democracy, supporting freedom around the world. And on their homepage, solidarity with Ukraine. Okay, let's see. What is your... Let's go to the about. About. I don't want to want Reagan. That's not a good sign. Uh, the National Endowment for Democracy is an independent nonprofit foundation. Okay. Dedicated to the growth and strengthening of democratic institutions around the world. Uh, makes more than 2,000 grants to support projects of non-governmental groups abroad who are working for democratic goals in more than 100 countries. Uh, let's see. NED is a unique institution. The endowment's non-governmental character, even though it's supported by the government, um, gives it a flexibility that makes it possible to work in some of the world's most difficult circumstances and respond quickly. Okay, I don't want to read all this because I don't know what all of it says, and I don't know if any of it has to do with what we're talking about. Um, I've got a fruit fly in here. Uh, okay. And who are you? Who, who's your president and CEO? Damon Wilson, president, independent nonprofit. Prior to joining, he helped transform the Atlantic Council. Okay. Well, I'm going to get into this another time. Um, the NED. So we're going to go back to this bill. As stated, it's the Department of State Foreign Operations and Related Programs Appropriations Act. The bill provides appropriations for other commissions, including the Commission for Preservation for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad. America's Heritage Abroad. Um, does that include uh, destroying Libya? Does that include destroying Syria? Does that include destroying Iraq, um, Afghanistan, uh, Yemen? Um, all these places uh, that we have gone to and uh, just left a really positive mark on the world. Probably doesn't. Um, U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. What is the government doing in all of these things? The, the Commission on Security and Cooperation in Europe. Very broad. The Congr Congressional Executive Commission on the People's Republic of China. Oh, my gosh. And the U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission. Oh, my gosh. The bill provides appropriations to the U.S. Agency for International Develop Development, the State Department, and the President for International Security Assistance, and the President and International Finance Financial Institutions for Multilateral Assistance. The bill provides appropriations for bilateral economic assistance, including programs and activities conducted by the President. Okay, and a lot more crap like that. A lot of spending your money on things abroad that it should never spend your money on that are completely, don't want to say useless, because some of them might be useful to somebody, but they're probably useless to you and useless to your money and 
should not be paid for by the taxpayer. So that was Senator Chris Coons of Delaware. On to Senator Joe Manchin, who isn't so high, isn't as high. He's ranked 19th in the Senate with a net worth of $7.6 million. What was he in 2009? Six. So his hasn't grown an astronomical amount. Seems like he came into, into the Senate with some decent money um, and hasn't really grown it uh, a crazy amount, at least what he cl um, claims, because, again, this is all estimated. But, sorry, those are the dogs in the other room. He also has sponsored a bunch of crap bills. Department of Energy Science for the Future Act of 2022. This bill supports specified, oh, it's S3699 for those listening. This bill supports specified research and development activities of the Department of Energy. Again, talking about energy, same as Chris Coons. Um, Department of Energy Office of Science. The bill establishes various programs, including a basic energy sciences research and development program, a carbon oxide sequestration, I guess, research and geologic computing initiative, a biological systems science. Oh, my gosh. There's so many stupid words in here. Um, let's see. And an emerging biological. Oh, geez. A high intensity laser research initiative and an emerging biological threat preparedness research initiative. What does this have to do with Department of Energy? I guess all this energy creates all this stuff and it's their office of science. So that kind of makes sense, but they're still spending all of your, Oh, one great thing about this bill. DOE may not carry out certain gain of function research, not all gain of function research, just certain gain of function research. So that should be very reassuring to the general public. Woohoo. Um, Another one, yet again, Energy Infrastructure Act. This bill addresses energy infrastructure, clean energy supply chains, carbon capture and storage, ecosystem restoration, and Western water infrastructure. We can get into it, but just know more energy bills um, that he supports. This is S2377. Next up. Insulate Buildings Act of 2021, investing in new strategies for upgrading lower attaining efficiency buildings act of 2021 or the insulate building. This bill establishes two grant programs under the state energy department of the department of energy under the first grant program. DOE must must provide grants to states must provide grants to states for revolving loan funds. States may use the fund to provide loans to eligible businesses and homeowners for energy audits and upgrades to reduce energy consumption. It's all about energy. They want you to reduce your energy, even if that energy is you. Um, so there's another one. That's S2066. I haven't looked over this one. Oh, yes, I did. It's... Uh, this is Protecting Jessica Grubbs Legacy Act, S3374. Bizarre name. Um, it does an enormous amount of things 
um, aside from protecting Jessica Grubbs' legacy. <laughs> um, I don't even know who Jessica Grubbs is, but it establishes, where was it? A committee to oversee the roughly $2 trillion in spending from the CARES Act, the most expensive single spending bill in American history. And they did a great job at overseeing um, the spending of the CARES Act. Uh, it's not like most of that $2 trillion, it's not like it went to corporations, big businesses, uh, private, very wealthy citizens. It's not like it went to all them and we all got $600 checks, $1,200 checks. Um, yeah, I mean, they just did a phenomenal job stewarding that money. Um, I don't, I can't, I mean, this is the kind of crap that happens with these bills is they just tack on a whole bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with the original bill. So we're not going to go into all that, but I thought the COVID, I mean, there's a whole bunch more COVID stuff. And if you want to go look it up, it's govtrack.us and it's bill S. 3374. It's got a whole lot of stuff in it that uh, we should not be funding. Um, all right. Here is Mansion. I got to, sorry, I got to stop the screen share. Then I got to bring it back. So I, because you can't, that's something that, uh, that my software needs to figure out because you can't share audio from a window. You have to share it from a tab. Um, so I have to go back to a tab, share audio, and let's listen to this genius talk about uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. Okay, so let, let's talk about the bill and, and inflation, which we talk about. Yeah, now we're talking. Here on, on, on CNBC. So it, you, you bill it as a, an Inflation Reduction Act, but some of the early studies coming out senator are saying that it does nothing to fight inflation especially in the near term so isn't that a bit misleading of a title well it's a bit, mis bit misleading for those who come out and said that because there's been so many others that looked at it so favorably sarah i think just the common sense and i i know i've been involved with 17 nobel laureates telling me back in march uh, almost uh, over a year ago that uh, inflation would be transitory and I, the figures I saw and everything I was evaluating said it would not be. It would be very detrimental and harming to our economy and, and to the people of America and harmful to West Virginia. And guess what? That's what it turned out to be. So I know different people have different opinions. Sir, what we're doing, we're basically paying down debt. We're fighting inflation by putting more production out in energy, produce more, uh, produce more oil and gas, and making sure that our fossil industry can carry the load. We're making investments for more jobs more energy, more jobs here in America with uh, clean energy. So we're basically taking care of the needs of energy now and basically investing for the energy for the future. And we're doing all that while we're reducing the amount of inflation or the amount of prices for gas, because I think all of us will agree the supply and demand, the more supply you have, the better chance you have of driving down the price. And that's going to be for gasoline. That's going to be for your home heating and air conditioning, everything else you're using. So we're doing that. We're also paying down uh, and reducing all the uh, drug prices. So when you think that millions of people across America will be paying lower drug prices because of Medicare being able to negotiate, that's a tremendous factor. They're not factoring any of these things in. All they're taking is, is that companies who haven't paid, for whatever reason they haven't paid, will be paying 15% minimum. Sir, so the only thing I've said, the corporate rate was at 35% before, and that was way too high. 
uh, there was a bipartisan group of us in 2017 thought it would be reduced to 25. It went clear to 21. That was a 14% reduction. That was great. And people were tickled to death, but I guess it's not enough. And all we're saying is companies who aren't paying or paying very low, if any at all, and there's 55 of the largest corporations. This only affects, Sarah, companies that have a million billion dollars of, of, of uh, revenue or greater annually, but even going to be evaluated this way to pay a 15% minimum. And I just can't believe that these patriotic companies don't want to help this country defend itself and be able to do what we need to do to be the superpower of the world. Well, JCT found. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so difficult to understand why companies don't want to give to this big bloated government that has its hands in every single country around the world that gives money to gives more money to foreign countries than it does to its own citizens uh, that prints its own money and deflates the or uh, inflates um, causes inflation um, decreases the value of the money in your pocket it's so so hard to understand why companies want to not pay taxes to the crapshoot that is the u.s government um his idea that creating a lot more supply of something brings down prices is actually true um but what he never ever talks about is the fact that it by doing by helping to bring down prices of gas by helping to bring down prices of medicine you're only manipulating things you're only manipulating something for a short amount of time. At some point, all that money that was printed in 2020 and 2021 is going to wreck the economy. The inflation was never transitory. It's not going away anytime soon. It can't go away. They can try to extend it and keep it from coming as hard, keep it from keep it from really hurting us. Um, in the super near term, but it's going to happen. Um, it's literal basic economics. And if he would take two seconds to go look at that um, and talk about that and really learn some basic economic principles, then he would know that. Um, you can't print $6 trillion out of thin air and expect for your currency to stay valuable. Um, yeah, you just can't do that. It's it's absolutely insane. And uh, I just don't trust. So these are the people that, that Brian Kemp is on the panel with in, in, uh, in Davos. Um, why he's going over there, I don't. Well, actually, I do know why he's going over there, I think. Let me, let me rephrase what I just said. I believe I know why he's going over there. And it's because, let's see, let's do window again, boom. Okay, I believe it's because of this. Um, he has brought a ton of electric energy jobs to Georgia or future electric energy jobs to Georgia. This Hyundai uh, plant will build electric cars. This Hyundai and SKON, whatever SKON stands for, 
is building batteries. Fryer, Freer, Fryer is building batteries. And Rivian is building electric trucks. Now, a very cursory, superficial, just tiny bit of research. You can learn that Rivian is in massive amounts of debt. Their stock has plummeted enormously. And with just a, if, if, if they had just done like two days of research on Rivian, they'd have known that this is not the best bet in the world. Um, there's a decent, people are jumping ship at Rivian. Um, there's a decent chance Rivian goes under and that's those 7,500 new jobs go away. Um, there's been some decent reporting on it, actually some pretty good reporting on it by, who was it? Volter Media, V-O-L-T-E-R Media. Um, they, here, actually, I'll just, I'll pop it in the, let's promote them for a second. I don't know much about them other than uh, what I've watched um, recently, um, but they do good reporting here in Vulture Media. There you go. Um, so if you want to check out uh, some of their reporting on Rivian and what's happening with that and what might happen in the near future, I would advise it. Um, go do that because it does not have a positive projection. Also, he is, the World Economic Forum is obsessed with clean energy and obsessed with transitioning away from oil. And the fact that he brought, let's see, how many new jobs? This would be, that's 15,600. That's 19,100. So nearly 20,000 jobs um, in one year um, are coming to Georgia, supposedly. And the fact that he brought all this electric technology here uh, makes me believe that that's why he got called to, to Davos, Davos, whatever you want to call it, World Economic Forum, um, to talk about what he's, how he was able to do this, um, how he was able to marry, you know, uh, government and corporations together to create one big behemoth of stupidity. Um, so I believe that's why he is, is going to Davos. Let's just talk about this whole electric energy situation for a bit. Um, I've been doing a lot of research into electric cars, into battery technology, into solar panels, wind. Um, and I mean, personally, I, I own two electric cars, uh, me and my wife. Uh, we own a Tesla and a Fiat, um, an old Fiat. It's like a 2015 electric Fiat. It barely, it, you know, barely gets enough to get around the city for a whole day, but just enough for us to do a, just drive around during the day. Um, and I used to truly believe in the, in the power of electricity, power of batteries, and that, that was the future. And I no longer think that it is at all clean energy. Um, I think that it burn, it doesn't burn oil out of your tailpipe, but I've done a bunch of research into the manufacturing and the mining of the materials needed for batteries. Um, and if you go, if you go watch 
some videos on YouTube about lithium mining, about cobalt mining, about how much energy and how much fuel, um, oil and gas it takes to uh, transport solar panels across the ocean, transport turbines um, across the you know, continental United States on those big trucks. I see them all the time um, when I'm in the Midwest and, and Northwest. Um, you'll realize that it is not sustainable. None of this is sustainable energy. I'm beginning to believe that the only sustainable energy that we currently have is nuclear. And in my opinion, Kemp's desire to bring jobs to Georgia to help him get reelected, which bringing jobs to a state does help you get reelected, especially 20,000 jobs. That's a good, that's a good thing to have um, on your record. But I believe that it might compromise him or might have already compromised him. Um, and I don't believe that in the future it's, uh, it's going to pan out. Um, I, uh, the manufacturing of lithium and cobalt has to increase in a way that it, that production on a, and mining on a, of a material has never increased in the history of humanity. It has to like, some of these materials have to, you have to increase mining and, and production of them by close to 10 times. Um, and with the amount of electric cars that people want to make and that certain states are forcing people to make and switching over to that and then realizing that their grid can't handle it. And so telling people not to use those electric cars. Um, I don't really see all of these jobs as a win. I see these jobs as a win for people who are working the jobs, obviously. Um, I like people being able to feed their families and, and support their lifestyles, but it's a short-term victory, much like trying to, much like the Inflation Reduction Act didn't actually reduce inflation. It only extends the, the pain that we're going to feel for, uh, into the future. Um, so, this is what Brian Kemp has been doing. Um, he's been, not been doing his research. Uh, if I can find it, a guy with the resources of Brian Kemp should be able to find, to figure out that electric, electric cars and electric batteries and all these things are not, uh, not necessarily the future and maybe start getting into more nuclear. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, I'll leave you with this for the day. Let's see. You can go to uh, justfacts.votesmart.org and you can find Brian Kemp's voting records. Um, and by voting, I mean whether or not he vetoed or signed a bill. And there are some interesting ones in here. There are some that are very uh, liberty oriented. Um, like, uh, there was one in here that recognizes, 
uh, concealed carry from other states, which is fantastic. Obviously, he has one in here that uh, went away, that made the concealed carry permit go away, um, which is also fantastic. Um, there are some in here that you got to do some more digging, like amends election laws. Don't know what that means. There's one in here that says increases penalties for crimes against police, firefighters, and paramedics. That should also be increases penalties for crimes by police, fire by police against civilians, because that's a two-way street. Um, cops should not be hurting people, and people should not be hurting cops. Uh, nobody should be hurting anybody. Let's be real about that. Uh, it's just a very interesting list, and he has signed so many since he got into office. Um, so there's just a whole mess of things that you can go love or hate him for. Um, and just as an interesting side note, Brian Kemp's net worth has nearly doubled since he took office. Doubled from, let's see, what was it? Uh, $5 million to $8.6 million, Which isn't astronomical, but it is a substantial amount for somebody who's a public servant. Um, really doing a lot of serving. Um, anyway, that is our episode for today. We will be back next week. I don't have a guest currently lined up, but I'm working on it. Um, I'm very happy to be back. Uh, there's going to be a lot of great things happening with the Georgia Libertarian Party. Um, our convention will be happening in May. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to have it more the tone of a festival than a convention. Um, we're going to try to set up like booze and demonstrations and concerts and a film festival. We're going to try to do a whole bunch of awesome stuff to uh, not only showcase Liberty, but kind of bring, bring Georgians together to, to just hang out and have fun. Um, so we're trying to make it something where you won't feel weird inviting your non-libertarian friends and family uh, to come hang out at the Libertarian Party of Georgia Convention. Um, I got to get the website for that. I've forgotten what the website is. Um, so next week, I'll come more prepared on that front. But thank you all so much for uh, hanging in there for this whole time. I know that I rambled a little bit. I know that I paused a little much. So if you're listening, um, if you're on the listening side of things and not watching this, um, I apologize for the the pauses where I was just kind of mumbling nonsense while I tried to find, um, tried to find what I was looking for. I will try to be slightly better prepared in the future. So that's it. My name is Jake Green and we will see you next week. Mm -hmm.